Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Hi, Joe. Hey, Chris. I'm uh, I'm calling you from uh, from my woodshed right now. Yeah, via your woodshed because via you're being my... you're being a good citizen and uh, uh, practicing social distancing. Social distancing. Yes. Joe, have you seen the um, the social distortion uh, meme where it says social distancing? Yeah, you you have the 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 thing up on your your Facebook page. It was funny. Yeah, yeah. no, I like it. Yeah, so uh, welcome to the uh, virus apocalypse. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Here's the thing. This has happened every what hundred years or so. We have a you know a a big virus that wipes out like a third of the population, and then, you know, we just, we move on. Yeah, you the know? bubonic plague, and then right. the, the flu of, what is it, uh, 1918 or like 1819? So, I think it was, I think they call it the flu of 1918, but it was 1918 slash 1919. Not on a regular basis, but yeah, like you said, every, every century or so, we have a giant, right. giant plague. Yeah. And this is the new one. This is, the, this is ours. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, uh... You, the corona, the coronavirus. Yes, yes. Well, a coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, COVID nineteen, Joe. But this is not what the episode's about. I know, but I mean, <laughs> it really kind of should be. <laughs> Maybe we should have done research about that, <laughs> right? I mean, no, we're doing we're doing a freaking episode about fucking chewing gum during the apocalypse. Okay. Well, what I, I mean, it, it's 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 something that was on our minds. And we decided to do an episode about yeah, it. Yeah, two months ago, before all this shit started. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're stuck doing this episode. Now we're stuck doing it. Yeah. That's well, maybe not stuck. No, 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 no. I absolutely. I think it's. A, I think it's. A, I think it's a very well. Um, you know, it's a topic that you can really, you know, get in there and sink your teeth into. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So let's get started. There is evidence that the Northern European peoples chewed birch bark, like the, the birch bark tar, over 9,000 years ago. Birch tar actually has medicinal properties such as relieving toothaches. So there's kind of a reason why people were doing it. But that's right. 9,000 years ago. So uh, you were talking about medicinal properties. So let, uh -huh. let's just let's, let's talk about the medicinal properties of like chewing gum in general in general right yeah 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 medicinally I, I don't know about medicinally i would say it staves off hunger yeah the ancient minds chewed something called chicle which comes from the sapodilla tree and it was used to quench thirst and to fight off hunger right exactly so so it, it, it quenches hunger, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why you would want that is, you know, you find some of this, like, tar or sap or whatever, you know, in the woods, and you know it from your ancestors to be something that you, you can chew. You start chewing on it, and it, it, um, it improves saliva, mm -hmm. right? Or rather, like, makes saliva happen. I'm actually, saliva is happening right now in my mouth. <laughs> Are you salivating? I'm salivating because I'm talking about it. Right. It has a lot of saliva. Uh, it, it helps stave off that hunger, that hunger reflex, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you don't get like hunger pangs while you're 
hunting and gathering through the woods. Yeah. Also, one of the things that it does, because it creates saliva, it helps in digestion. So creating that saliva and swallowing it always actually helps food get digested more. Mm -hmm. Going down your esophagus and everything, it helps it actually go down into your stomach and all that. Yeah, it's it's a lubrication. uh, Yeah. So also, like you were talking about, a lot of these precursors to bubblegum, right? A lot of these precursors to bubblegum are antiseptic in in nature. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason why... That that's helpful is because if you have, say, a mouth sore, stuff like that, but also breath freshening. Yes. The ancient Greeks chewed something called mastic, which came from the mastic tree. The Aztecs also chewed chicle. In the Aztec culture, only kids and single women could chew it in public. It was used to basically clean the teeth and to freshen your breath. The North American Indians chewed spruce tree resin, which was adopted by most of the Europeans who, who came to settle in the Americas during the 1840s. And then during that time, in the 1840s, John Curtis developed the first commercial spruce tree gum. So the, the first gum was based on a Native American tradition of chewing spruce tree sap. Right. Let's take each one of those okay. and, uh, and kind of like go into them a little bit more in depth. Is okay. that cool? Yeah, sure. All right. So, so precursors to bubblegum, like you said, you you were talking about the 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 Greek the Greek mastic tree. Yes. Okay. So that was a resin um, that is, you know, of course, a, a chewed resin. Right. That it comes from the mastic tree. Yes, or Pistachia lengiseus. Mm-hmm. How how about that, Joe? That's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. So these trees only grow on the island of Chios in the Aegean Sea. Hmm. They're harvested. July through August, okay? And then once they're harvested, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're called the Tears of Chios, all right? And that's because of the, um, the little droplets, okay? Looks like that a teardrop. Of the, they look like a little teardrop. And you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying yeah because I can see you, you on can the see, on Yeah, the, okay. On so, the, so if you guys don't know, sorry, we kind of ran over that real quick, but Chris is recording via phone. Right. And I'm recording here in our subterranean basement in, studio. In your dungeon? Yeah, at my laboratory. Not Labrador. Not laboratory. Right. Not that, no. But yeah, that's why Chris sounds like he's in a, a, a tin can. He's calling via phone and via his woodshed. Right. Yes. I'm in my shed. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Well, you, probably, you know, might even be able to hear some birds chirping in the background because I have my door wide open. Too. You do. It's not your door. It's like that's your roll-up door. My roll-up shed door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's wide open. I see the, the birds are out here. It just rained uh, earlier today. The birds are out here catching, catching worms. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. All right. So back like what I was saying. Yeah. So harv- harvesting is in July through August. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the little tears of, of Chios, mm-hmm. they take them and they, they pluck them off the trees, okay? And then they, they hand wash the little tiny droplets. Yeah. They hand wash them all. And they actually use them for all different kinds of things. Uh, gastrointestinal problems. Also, the mastic is used in different things like bread, jams. They're, it's used in meat dishes. Hmm. Yeah, I and mean... sweetener? Well, yeah, well, I think it's like... Um, or, I think or like it's a, kind of, or like a uh, combining agent. 
Yeah, like a uh, uh, what's that? What's uh, when you use an egg? What's that called? Emulsification. Emul- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think it's used for like an emulsifier or also maybe like a kind of like a, like gelatin, mm-hmm. like a thicker. Okay, you know? yeah. I'm well, pretty sure uh, that that's used for. Gelatin's so, a coagulant. Right, but it has its own like it has its own taste and flavor. Right. So they you they can use it in like different things. It's not only just used to chew. Mm-hmm. Although you can just just chew it right and it's it's probably you know it's that little teardrop shape so it's probably like the same size as a chiclet right in order to do it what they do is they pick them off the tree they hand wash them and then because they're nice and hard and dried okay Mm. they actually crush them up in a mortar and pestle oh okay and they you can crush them into dust once they're crushed into dust they're soluble in alcohol oh okay so i don't know if you know this joe but it is uh, typically also an additive in ouzo. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Yep. It's one of the one of the flavorings and additives in ouzo. I've I've so, had ouzo before. I, I um I might have. I don't know. There's been a lot there's been a lot of places where I've uh I've spent uh like a week a week there one night. Right. And, <laughs> and don't remember. I think I've uh, had ouzo before. Probably. You probably have. We should do an episode. I, I that would be a great episode. Sure. Yeah. So, okay, so let's, uh, you want to move on to the next one? And that, that was the Tears of Chios, the, yes. um, the, the Greek mastic tree. Yes, so, yes. And then, so then, uh, say we'll go into birch bark talk. Okay. Do you like birch? I, I love the smell, yes. Well, I actually am burning right now a birch uh, candle. Oh, nice. Yeah, so just kind of neat. It just, I was like, I was thinking, I'm sitting out in my shed, I want to light a candle, you know, for a little ambiance <laughs> right and i was like oh i uh, you know since i'm talking about birch bark tar i kind of want to get that smell so i'm burning a birch bark candle right now awesome so birch bark tar or of course pitch as uh, as you may call it if you're from the uk mm-hmm. so this is made by heating the tree bark over a fire now mm-hmm. you could just of course burn it and it would come out okay yeah. or it's more commonly when they were actually trying to make like big batches of it, mm-hmm. what they would do is they would bake, um, do kind of like how like the Hawaiians do like a, like a hog underground. Okay. Yeah. They actually would do the same sort of thing. So they would dig a hole and then they would put, put the birch bark underneath of it and then put a, you know, make a fire over top of it. And it would actually get that resin or pitch out of it sans oxygen. Okay. So kind of steaming it. Yeah, and it would it would cause it to come out mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's it, that 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 pitch doesn't doesn't like to come out of it. It's too. It's uh, like it's yeah. It's like tar. It literally is like uh, tree sap tar. If anyone's ever touched a pine tree, it's right. It's just like that. Right. So you know, in, in order to get it out, it, it worked way better when you actually did it like sans oxygen. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you have oxygen, it would just you would those high temperatures would wind up letting it on fire. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sometimes so it's you, flammable, right? It, yeah, yeah, it can be very yeah. much so. Tar and pitch is definitely flammable. Yeah. So birch tar was commonly used to call across most of Scandinavia as a prehistoric glue for attaching stones to handles or, or you know, any kind of prehistoric tool. Like model airplanes, like putting the wings together, use that to hold the yeah. wings on. Yeah, right? back in ancient Scandinavia, Joe. Hey, they well, model boats, model boats. Right, like long boats. 
Yeah, like, like, model a, like a little longboat. Yeah, exactly. Put the mast <laughs> on top and use the pitch to hold it up. Yeah, that'll work. Yes. So uh, when they when they find these ancient tools, okay, they commonly find teeth marks uh, in these, you know, in these in this birch tar that's holding this stuff together. Okay. So oh wait, they had to chew it to to make it yes. malleable. Yes, because once you chew it and once okay, once you get it out of the birch bark, mm-hmm. right? Then you take a piece of it, you throw it in your mouth, you get that flavor of the birch tar. Mm-hmm. You have it malleable, and you can you can get it very much like chewing gum. Right. So basically, what what they would do, it's kind of like the old trick: you put a piece of gum on the end of a rope, and you stick it into the gutter to get your your quarter that you dropped in there. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. But they would take it and they would like push it into an axe head, a stone axe head, instead of using you know rope or anything like that because they didn't have it back then. So they right. would use basically you know their own homemade bubble gum mm-hmm. to stick tools together nice okay plus of course it eases eases toothaches eases hunger pain stuff like that just like we had talked about the tears of chios mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's also mildly antiseptic so good for freshening the breath also it's extremely water resilient or mm-hmm. ra- water resistant yes so yes, it, it uh yeah so it preserves dna yes it does <laughs> just for the listener Joe just looked at me crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, because of how water resistant it is, it actually preserves DNA inside of it. Uh, like, so, uh, kind of like amber. Yeah, kind of like amber. But the problem is, is that this this lump you can't see through like amber. It's totally pitch black. Yeah. There is a, an awesome article that I have by the Smithsonian Magazine. They found a piece of birch tar in Denmark. And that is uh, from Slaithome Island okay. in, in southern Denmark. They found it inside of this thick mud preserved in a unique – they found all these unique stone artifacts around it. Mm-hmm. This one specific piece that they found was not attached to anything. It was literally like a piece of bubble gum that somebody had spat out. And stuck it to the side of someone's door or something. Yeah, right. But, it, you know, they just spit it into the mud or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So now, no human remains were found unless you count the tiny strands of DNA from a 5,700-year-old lump of chewing tar. Wow. So they found DNA strands in what? Like old saliva encased inside inside? of a lump of chewing tar. That is awesome. Yes, it is. So the scientists, you know, actually did a DNA sequence on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Scientists suspect it was a younger female with dark skin, dark hair, but yet very blue eyes. Huh. Now, you're thinking Scandinavia, right? Does that sound like a Scandinavian girl? No. No, not no. at all, right? You're thinking blonde hair, blue eyes, right? Yeah. Actually, it's, it, it's a little bit closer to like... Spanish. What, yes. Yeah, the, that kind of look, mm-hmm. right? So they think it's just the migration patterns, you know what oh. I mean? It's kind of changed, changed. You know, over time with this with this find. Right. They also found out probably what she was chewing on, not her last meal because they didn't find any human remains, mm. but the last meal before she spit this piece of gum out. Oh, they actually the bits and pieces in her teeth that she chewed the gum and yeah. that came out with the gum. Yeah. So they found that she had eaten a meal of hazelnuts and duck. Huh. Yeah. Inside of this. That's... And in fact, I found in the article. What's really cool is, uh, and I'll, I'll send this to you, Joe, or mm. I'll, I actually, I'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, show notes is better. 
they actually, somebody had, you know, had heard about the story and painted a portrait of what they thought that she looked like. Huh. Uh, Yeah. So forensic portrait kind of thing. No, it actually looks more like a, like just a beautiful, like painting. Here, I'm going to turn it around. Okay. Show me. Yeah. Show me. Uh, That's still your face. Yeah. I'm I'm flipping the camera. Okay. Oh, nice. That's cool. So it's just an artist representation. Yeah. Gotcha. There's the the duck and the hazelnuts right there. Right, right. Yep, I'm gonna flip it back over. Cool. So you gotta look at my face. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, basically it looks like a nice oil painting of. So it's an artist representation of that moment in time. Right. Exactly. N- not Before... a forensic artist version of structures of the skull or, you know, a- anything like that. No, no, no. And what I like about it is that she has like a lump of this chewing tar like in her fingers. Mm-hmm. Like she had just pulled it out of her mouth or whatever. Right. You know, she's going to stick river. it under the table or something. Yeah. Like she's an just, asshole. Yeah. She's got a place right for it. Right. So. All right, Joe. The next one that you had mentioned. Yep. That is spruce gum. Correct. When you think of spruce gum, where would you think that would normally come from? Right. Like, well, I mean, traditionally it comes from the, the North American Indians who would basically do the same thing. They would chew the spruce tree resin for freshening their breath and staving off hunger. And it's just something for your mouth to do by what did I say? 1840. I think that's when the first commercial version of that became available. Uh huh. And that was because the, the people that were, that were coming over and settling found this, tradition of the North American Indians chewing the spruce tree resin. Right. Then the guy, John Curtis, developed the first, like, commercial version of that. Of course, just what what Europeans always do, which is find something that someone has a beautiful tradition of. And and and, steal it. And then steal it and find a way to capitalize it. And sell it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's kind of interesting. The original commercial version of the spruce tree gum uh, was made by boiling actual spruce resin. Back in the day, they actually used real, real ingredients. Right. So they would boil the resin, then they'd cut it into strips, and then coat the strips in something simple like cornstarch so it wouldn't stick together. Uh Uh, and, And that's pretty much how they would package it. It would be like these little thin strips coated in a little bit of cornstarch and they'd pack four or five strips of it together and sell it as spruce gum. Right. And, and, and they would coat it in the cornstarch so it wouldn't stick together in your pocket after, you know, it started to get warm. Right. Because it got started to get a little sticky. Mm-hmm. Joe, you were talking about the different kinds of, of spruce gum. Mm-hmm. Here's a few different names of just some of the different spruce gums that existed around that time. Because mm-hmm. like you said... There was the first guy that made his, but John there was Curtis. All, there was, yeah, right, Curtis, and there was all kinds of different people that went after him and decided oh, to do it. So yeah, do, during the forties and the, not the nineteen forties, the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties, there was this giant boom of like chewing gum making companies. It was insane. Yeah, so you had uh, Adirondack, mm-hmm. Kennebec, Sanzanoa, Yankee, American Flag. And 200 Lump. These brands were all around until about 1910. By the 1850s, John Curtis opened the first chewing gum factory ever in this country in Portland, Maine. Right. The spruce resin was eventually replaced with something less sprucey and brittle because that's, they kind of found that people didn't, didn't like it too much after 
a few minutes of chewing on it because it became too brittle and it lost all its flavor. Well, you know, also, uh, just one second there, Joe. You were talking about how, you know, how brittle it is. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, you know, I've, I've, I've watched some of these guys that, that they talk about it. You know, they, they talk about it because they've either had it or, you know, they've made it themselves and stuff. Right. And they say that it's one of those things that you have to, you have to actively keep chewing it. You can't just like shove it in your cheek and let it sit there while you talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. It has to be constantly chewed to stay malleable. Well, yeah, but I, I think back in the 1850s, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if people were were that hip on that idea. Do you know what I mean? Right. So uh, imagine, you know, the the people leaving well, comments on Grubhub, like just because their one French fry was burned, they're gonna poo-poo the whole damn order. Well, you know, so I think that's kind of what Curtis ran into with a lot of his his early critics. Right. Well, they probably also had less teeth. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> they they did they did eventually change out using spruce resin, like actual spruce resin, for something super cheap and a lot more malleable, something like paraffin wax. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that to me is gross. Yeah. I mean. You know what? I say that, but have you ever had those little candies that are made of paraffin wax? Oh, like the uh, the little bottles full of, like, goo or whatever? Yeah, and they also make wax lips that are the same thing. Yep, exactly. Man, you know, I say it sounds gross, but I used to chew them up when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know? I would eat the whole bottle. I would just (laughs) swallow the whole bottle. See, I would just pop the top off and drink the goo and then chuck the wax. I didn't... No, man. I would chew chew that wax. Really? Just, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gross. (laughs) I would just do it. So, Joe, you were talking about the commercialization of the gum. Yeah. People who harvested spruce gum were typically woodsmen, lumbermen, trappers, Mm -hmm. hermits, and then also some professional... Professionals that harvested gum, like known gum as shoes, they were gummers. Gummers, yeah. <laughs> so they used chisels attached to poles and an empty can to catch the resin. Okay. And of course, you know, some main companies they made not just spruce gum, but they also made spruce cough syrup and things like that. So they took that resin and boiled it down and added a lot more water to it. And, mm. you know, so you could chew, you, you would, wouldn't just chew it, you would choke it down. Right. And it, it was supposed to help, you know, with cough being mm-hmm. that whole very pininess yes. of it, you know? So also there was something uh, that is kind of like a family heirloom called gum boxes. Gum boxes. Yeah. And what they would do, these, you know, these lumbermen or trappers and stuff like that, what they would do is while they were out in the woods and they were collecting this resin in the middle of winter, they would, uh, they would take and they would make these solid pieces of wood. They would carve them up, sometimes very intricate, sometimes they were kind of plain. It really depends on how good of a carver they were. Right. And, you know, basically they were the size, I, I don't know. Like a jewelry box? Yeah, like a jewelry box. Okay. And they would, they would keep these chunks of, of gum inside of it. They would take the choicest bits and they would throw them in there, right? Right. They had like a sliding lid, Okay. And they would bring these back to their sweethearts. Mm. So they would have, like, they would bring these this chewing gum back to their sweethearts, like a box of chocolates. Right, nice. That they would harvest in the woods. Mm-hmm. And it, it was until about 1920 or so that lumbermen, after that, they were able to return home 
instead of wintering their entire like on the range area where they're right in the woods, mm -hmm. you know, pining for their sweethearts the whole time, uh, you know, making these gum boxes, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You caught that one, huh? I did. It was just kind of this, uh, this neat like little piece of history and you can still find some of these gum boxes. Now you can like look them up mm -hmm. and they're, you know, of course very expensive because they're from this, this time frame. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I just thought it was really neat kind of, you know, little piece of history there. Chris, during the 1850s, while Curtis had his first factory going with the spruce resin, there was an inventor in New York by the name of Thomas Adams. He was given some chicle by the exiled Mexican president of the time, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Right, okay, so the... Wasn't he was the Mexican president during the uh, during the Alamo too, right? Uh huh. I, or no, no, no. I think I don't think he was president at the time. I think he was a general. Oh yes, no, he was a general. I mean, by this time, by the 1850s, he was an exiled ex-president. <laughs> so he 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 went from being a general to a president to being an exiled president. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So basically, Santa Ana wanted to develop Chicle as a new substitute for rubber okay like a, like a cheaper version of rubber right okay so like um like vulcanized rubber like making like for tires and stuff like that yeah vulcanized rubber you stop giving me the vulcan hand signal <laughs> it's not the same thing joe it's, i know it's not the same thing but still so santa Ana actually thought like this is a good business model let's take the the chicle and see if i can mass produce it okay he believed that in doing so he would gain wealth and he'd be able to build back up his standing in Mexico with have with having all that wealth back. Well, if you, yeah, if he were to say create some kind of new product for like making rubber tires or whatever, mm -hmm. which was I mean a big deal back then, you know. True. Yeah, so he thought he could get enough power to basically get himself ingratiated back into Mexican society. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Okay. But after many, many, many failed attempts, the project was pretty much abandoned by uh, Santa Ana. And Adams, the original guy he contacted, the, the inventor, basically was left with all this chicle to do with whatever he wanted to. So Adams realized, even though chicle wasn't a good rubber substitute, it was a very good competitor with the, the current chewing gum market which was using stuff like spruce resin right we, yeah we, we were at that time we were still uh we were still chewing chewing the spruce right it wasn't like 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 i was talking about the in my notes i had like it was around 1910 mm -hmm. something like that where they really didn't stop so right yeah so this he's ramping up right now right exactly so he actually partnered with a friend of his by the name of william wrigley jr wrigley they established the American Chico Company, and by the late 1880s, Adams's New York Gum Number no. One was sold all over the country. New York Gum Number no. One. Uh huh. In <laughs> 1888, Adams invented the first gum sold in a vending machine. That's awesome. And it was called Tutti Fruity. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty neat. Huh. He also uh, had the the gum blackjack, 
Now, I've had blackjack before. That's a, a very heavily anise. It's licorice. Licorice flavored yeah. gum. Yeah. Licorice, anus, however you want to say it. I don't think it's called anus, Joe. I think it's anise. Uh, it's also, blackjack is also heavily. Did you say black sack? <laughs> Not black sack. Blackjack. Oh, it's... sorry. I misheard you. Yeah. It's also heavily promoted in Pump Up the Volume, if you remember that movie with Christian yeah. Slater. I do. Was remember? that a part of that movie? Yeah, like that was like his bit was like he had something and a, a, a you know, a thing of blackjack gum. You remember Pump Up the Volume? No, look, man, I remember it. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've seen it, okay? Anyway, so yeah. I don't remember that being an integral part of the of It the wasn't movie. integral. It was just a thing. <laughs> anyway, so he had blackjack that came out in 1884. In 1899... The American Chico Company came out with a gum called Chicklets. Oh. And we I've still have Chicklets today. Yeah, we do. They're not made of Chicle anymore, but that's where the name Chicklet comes from. From the original Mexican word Chicle. Yeah, and Chicle grows, uh, you know, all over South America. Yeah. Right? All over. I mean, I just, I like the fact that, like, it's all of this stuff is basically comes from the resin of trees, whether it's chicle trees mm-hmm. or 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 the 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 chios mm-hmm. or the the mastic. spruce gum, you know, yeah, yeah all mastic. Like they're all they're was, all basically these these rubbery tree saps that you can chew. From. Right. Sadly, by the 1900s, most of those organic products those organic origins, you know, the, the saps, the tree saps and stuff. Right. Were replaced by synthetic ingredients like betadine-based synthetic rubbers and other random junk because it was cheaper and easier to do. Right. Now, and those are like mass-marketed gums. Now, I yeah. will say, if you do some digging and stuff like that, you can find a few different brands that are that are actually made from mastic. You can buy yeah. mastic gums. You yeah. can buy, there's a brand called, I think, Simple, that mm-hmm. is definitely, that is made from chicle and doesn't have additives like that. Just like you have, you know, anything now that's kind of like returning more to, like, natural flavors and stuff like that. Yeah, nowadays, yes, yes. But there was a giant chunk of time where none of that stuff existed. Well, we, we grew up in a lot of that time. During, the, like, the 1980s, nobody cared about <laughs> yeah. natural flavors. Nope. It was all Yellow Number 5 and Splenda and Olean. Right. I didn't, I didn't even know what a banana tasted like until my 20s, Joe. <laughs> okay? Right. All I had was banana now and laters. It's not, it's not one word, Chris. It's, like, now or laters. Well, I mostly ate them now. Now right. or later. You, you make it one word. Now and later. Now or later. <laughs> <laughs> now it's now and later yes now or later. whatever okay so by 1893 William Wrigley Jr. pretty much split off of the Adams sect and started Juicy Fruit and Wrigley's Spearmint Gum all good gums Joe all good gums so William Wrigley Jr. got to start hawking his family's soap products on the streets of Philadelphia mm-hmm. and then he moved to Chicago in 1891, Wrigley began offering incentives to entice shopkeepers to carry his wares, including free cans of baking powder with every order. 
So when the baking powder proved to be more popular than the soap, Wrigley began selling that instead, tossing in two packs of chewing gum per order to sweeten the deal. Nice. The gum was such a hit <laughs> uh-huh. that in 1893, Wrigley debuted two, bra- two brands of gum of his own, Juicy mm. Fruit and Wrigley Spearmint. Right. Yep, we talked about that. And then in 1915, Wrigley sent free gum samples to every American household listed in the phone book. Yep. So there was a guy named Frank Fleer. He had been making gum since 1885. He started working on a gum that could be chewed and to to make bubbles. Right. One thing that he liked about chewing gum was the possibility that he could blow a bubble. That's super fun. Well, yeah, but back then there wasn't a gum that could make a bubble. Right. You could kind of make a half-ass bubble, then it would pop, or you can kind of blow up the resin a little bit, but it wouldn't hold. Well, what I read uh, was they, they were talking about at the time you would try to blow a bubble, uh-huh. right, and it would pop, and when it exploded, when that bubble popped and exploded, it would smack onto your face. Right. And sometimes that chewing gum was so hard mm-hmm. and, and so, uh, so damn sticky they would take, have to take turpentine to rub your face to get it off. Oh, yeah. Especially if you had any hair on your face or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it would get stuck to it. You would literally have to, you would have to use some kind of, you know, paint you know, thinner. Solvent to get it off. To get it off. Yeah. Present. You yeah. Know? So in 1906, his first attempt, which he called Blibber Blubber was found to be way too sticky and you could blow a bubble, but then it would just get all, like you said, kind of like all over your face or back on your teeth. Right. That wasn't what he was going for. Okay. It took him something like 20 years. <laughs> by 1920, a FLIR employee by the name of Walter Diamond figured out the actual like recipe for the first commercial bubble gum. And that was called, can you guess? Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. I think I know, is this, um, is this the bubble, the double bubble? Double bubble. Double bubble. It was the first actual bubble gum. Why was, why was all this bubble gum pink to begin with? So the employee, the, the FLIR employee, Walter Diemer, Dimer, it's, it's D-I-E-M-E-R. Is that Diemer? Diemer. I'll go with Diemer. Diemer? Okay. So he's the one who figured out the actual recipe for the bubble gum. But the materials they used, it pretty much came out this like weird off gray color. Okay. So he decided to put in some food coloring to make it a bit more appealing. And I think the only color that he had on hand was red. So he pretty much diluted it with some water and it came out pink in the end product. And that's what they marketed for this bubble gum. And it just became, it became the thing. It, it worked. It seems like it's kind of inviting, right? So sure. if you've got, if you've got bubble gum and it's pink, the inside of your mouth is pink. You right. know what I mean? It's inviting. It, it's like, it's like where as much of a part of you as your tongue. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, 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 I'm just saying like, it's a non-offensive, non-invasive, non-worrying color. Right, it just it, it, it makes it feel like it's supposed to be in your mouth. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Okay, yeah, that works. But anyway, that was the first bubble gum. 
bubblegum comes in all different sizes and shapes and colors. You've got bubblegums in the format of tablets and hollow balls and cubes and chunks and sticks and slabs and tabs. You can have bubblegum however you want. You get out of blister packs. Yeah, and blister packs. Like, But the modern bubblegum is pretty much everywhere all the time. Chewing gum is a rather shelf-stable product because it has like non-reactive nature and low moisture content. So you can okay. pretty much store chewing gum for years on a shelf. So in the apocalypse, so, like right now... I was, was going to say, maybe that's a... <laughs> Yeah, I'll store some bubble gum. There you go. It's not good for anything. Put my money in bubble gum futures. Well, yeah, but I'm saying, like, maybe you could trade it instead of money in, you know, the next 10 years. Kind of like how in the Fallout games you're trading bottle caps? Yeah, it'll be bubble gum. When, you, when you're the Master Blaster and you've run Buttertown, you can trade bubble gums. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, before we get too far, uh, I, I wanted to talk to you real quick about... Um, you had mentioned Fleer. Yeah. And his name sounds real familiar. Uh-huh. And I It should. That's, well, Fleer is isn't isn't that like didn't he own like cars? Yep. So, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any research on that. I feel uh, now I I, I thought cuz you <laughs> But yeah, didn't didn't the Fleer packs of cards come with a piece of gum? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe. So in the 1880s, baseball cards made their first appearance in packs of cigarettes. What? Yeah. Beyond marketing purposes, the cardboard pulls double duty. They also stiffened the flimsy cigarette packs. Oh, so, you're talking like soft packs. Yeah. So soft packs back in the day, you could crunch them up or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, so they had a baseball card in it, and it would it would keep them... From, you know, getting crunched as easily. Right. The cards often features players with serious expressions looking manly and kind of <laughs> awkward poses. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but baseball players weren't the only ones on the cards. Vaudeville actors, actresses, war heroes, and Native American tribe leaders and headdresses also graced the cards. And in 1909, the American Tobacco Trust, a conglomerate of 16 different tobacco companies, put out a legendary T206 set a collection of over 520 cards that were hidden in cigarette packs across the country. Wow. Have you played Red Dead Redemption 2? No, I haven't. You haven't played that? Oh, my God. I, no, I played the first one, and it was pretty good. Uh-huh. But um, you can't see my face. I'm, like, all scrunched up on my computer. Sorry yeah, you're that. all chin. Yeah, do you, do you want to borrow it? I have it for uh, PS4. Oh, yeah. Well, now that my computer won't break, sure. Well, what, what I'm saying I mean, is... my PS4 won't break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm... What I'm what I'm saying is that in that game, they pretty much do that specific thing with these like special cards. It's oh, really? A, it's like a little side thing, you know. It's like a pickup, like yeah, like in Final Fantasy, you would have like a card game. Yeah, well, this is more like if you pick up a pack of cigarettes, it has a fucking like baseball card in it. Oh, that's cool. And not all of them have them. That's like it's just like what? the the premium cigarette packs have these special like baseball cards that's awesome and it's kind of like what you're talking about because it's not just sports figures it's like people of of like nature stuff and there's some native american cards and it 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 is exactly what you're talking about well that's really cool so it's high they they made that 
a part of a game that's yeah. a real part of history. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of cool. So, uh, so just g- getting back to the the whole baseball card, you know, bubblegum connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the early 1930s, the Fleer Company, the creator of, of course, Double Bubble, mm-hmm. like we had mentioned, and the Gordley Gum Company com- um, competed with one another by selling baseball cards alongside with their gum, while the Fleer brand would actually survive in the into the 2000s as a baseball card company. Mm-hmm. Their cards at the time were considered cheap and flimsy and ugly. Oh. The... The Gordy Gums cards, on the other hand, were carefully and artistfully done. The Gordy collection are considered some of the most valuable ever produced. And they might have something to do with their rarity. Yeah, because, I mean, Fleer stayed alive till the 2000s. Yeah, and to the and 2000s. The Gordy company didn't. So, right. Yeah. So basically, basically, really all it was is they, you know, the gum companies, they were selling the baseball cards alongside with their gum, just like they did with cigarettes. Okay, so it's just a, so, another marketing thing. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, you know, and eventually Fleer became not, a, you know, a gum company, but they, they changed over into selling cigarettes. No, wait, wait, baseball cards. Baseball cards, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Hey, I'm going to pop this door back open again because I think it's uh, causing you to um, to get... Uh, dropping in and out yeah interference it's that lead line door you have i mean it's a big metal door i know all right joe so before we're getting into you know the modern gum since we are talking about modern gum what is your favorite gum i honestly don't chew gum you don't partake it's just never been a thing but if you've had gum before yeah right you had like bad breath or something and somebody's been like here's a piece of gum what is it you know what i mean uh, like, what you, like ba- yeah back in the day it was probably like a a trident kind of thing you know like the little <laughs> ones the little like little nudge you know a little teeny tiny chunk of it right they're kind of like a trident is kind of like a like a chiclet but a little bit more triangular well and it's more no no no. i'm sorry rectangular That's yeah but meant. it didn't have the candy coating like a chiclet it didn't. I thought it did. No, 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 no. It's it's a straight up like chewing gum, like a like your Wrigley's gum, but instead right. of like the long Wrigley's standard chewing gum thing, the ribbon. Right. It's like compressed into this little teeny tiny chunk, little rectangle chunk thing. So you were a never, you were never like a what? Are the, what is the what is it? Bubble tape kind of guy? No, didn't do that. I didn't do. I, I mean, I tried it back. You know, back in the day, back when we were fucking kids. Like, bubble, that was everywhere. Bubble tape was pretty awesome. Well, yeah, and then you had, what's the, the shit in the bag that was, like, strings? Oh, Big League Chew. Yes, yeah. So you had that stuff, and you had the colored fucking crazy ball, like the hollow balls and, and uh, the coin machines. All right, so let me just say, like, here's two of my favorites. First okay. off, Fruit Stripe Gum. Ugh, with the, with the pony? No, it was a zebra. The zebra, his Ugh. name was 
his name was Yipes because he had the stripes. It's, it's yeah, gross gum. How is it gross? It was delicious. No, it wasn't. It, it was, was so. It del- was it's the most delicious flavored gum for thirty seconds. <laughs> thirty seconds, yeah, and then it tasted <laughs> like like your boot. It was gross. Yeah, no, I mean, for, but that thirty seconds was bliss. <laughs> True. Okay, I'll it give you really that. It was fruit stripe gum is so delicious, but it's yeah. I saw like a meme one time. It was like a it was a tractor trailer uh-huh. a fruit, with a fruit stripe gum on it, and it was like, oh my god, thirty minutes of flavor from fruit stripe. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tractor trailer. Nice. So I would say my second flavored gum is this. I, I actually brought it here with me. Oh yeah, the five stuff. Five gum. Yeah. It's, they used to have another flavor that I think got discontinued, but um, I go for the strawberry. It's made by Wrigley's, but it's like very intensely tropical. Yes. We had mentioned before that we used to have jobs together. Uh-huh. We no longer have those jobs together, but we were both uh, drivers at one time. We, yes. We delivered supplies. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we would go on call where we would have to take stuff out in the middle of the night. And... Whenever we had that sort of thing happen, this gum was a lifesaver for me because whatever it is, when I get real tired and I'm like kind of nodding out, dozing out, right? Chewing on this specific gum, this they have like a strawberry and a watermelon five gum, really, really woke me up, you know, mm-hmm. for a while. And, you know, plus I think the chewing of it helps keep you awake. Yeah, there's there's different health effects for chewing gum. You've got brain right. function, you've got dental health reasons, and that gets into stuff like the xythol and, and a bunch of other things. There's the use in surgeries, which is similar to like after a surgery, they want you to pass gas kind of thing. Okay. Chewing gum actually reduces the duration. I'm sorry, I, can, we, can we just back up there? I, after surgery, they want you to pass gas? With some surgeries. Some surgery, because that shows that you have like good bowel nothing's obstructed, nothing's been punctured. You know what I mean? Okay. It's, so a, it's a sign the surgery went well. Oh, like if you have, if you're cut up inside, like if they have like some kind of... Yeah, if it's like you had a bullet or a knife go through your intestines, they want you to be able to pass gas or poop. That way they know that you're not shitting into your inner cavities. Oh, and... farting inside of yourself? <laughs> Joe, you can fart inside of yourself? I don't know if you can fart inside yourself, but then you That's can shit inside yourself. <laughs> Oh, that's, I didn't, I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so any sort of gastral and intestinal surgery, yeah, it helps reduce the duration, uh, at least the post-operative stuff following that, that kind of thing. So, you know, in surgeries, you've got, like I said, brain function, like you were saying, it kind of helps working memory and, and sort of keeps your brain going kind of function. Right. Yeah. Which, like I said, it, it helps. It's Gum has always helped me stay awake. So, mm-hmm. you know, periodically we drive down to Florida to go see my in-laws, uh, right. usually for Thanksgiving. That's, that's like a 20-hour drive, you know, with pee breaks. Yeah. So humans are only supposed to be up for about 16 hours. It's supposed to so, be, yeah. Yeah, those last four hours for me are raw off. Mm-hmm. So chewing gum really helps out. Right, right. Have you ever swallowed gum? I have. What do you think? What's what's your what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I, I'm now I'm worried that I'm going to fart it inside of myself, <laughs> and I'm going to blow an inside bubble. 
<laughs> I mean, that might happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there's a big controversy that like chewing gum, at least nowadays, the with the products that we use to make gum is not, you can't really classify it as food and you shouldn't actually chew it. Really? Well, you swallow it? I don't know. Well, I mean, here, here, here's the thing, is that chewing gum is considered a food as the term food means a raw, cooked... Why do you, or, keep, on, why do you keep on doing that with your Air fingers? quotes? <laughs> air quotes. Because it, it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like the idea of, of swallowing anything, like, synthetic that you could also use to make shoes with. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, um, uh, what is the the one place? Subway, like, they use a a rubber byproduct that is the same exact rubber in tennis shoes, and they use it in their bread. Yo- yoga mats. Yeah, yeah, yoga mats and shoes, they use it in their bread. Yeah, it's, and it's something about, like, the bubbles that are in the bread or mm-hmm. whatever. It's the same kind of, like, stabilizer that's in the, that they use. You know, but honestly... You know, some people are so upset about that kind of thing, and it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like, yeah, maybe it's kind of gross, but, you know, you're, most vegetables grow in dirt. You know what I'm saying? It's Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you can't be grossed out about every single little thing. And by no, by no means, this is an ad for Subway, okay? No, I'm no, not, no. This is, this is an anti-ad for... I'm just, all I'm saying is this, it's like... Yeah, sometimes they use some products that you might not think are uh, okay. But, you know, generally, if they're passed by the FDA, pretty, pretty okay by me. <laughs> not, no, not, not by me. No, thanks. Um, so many of the ingredients in most modern gums, the gum base itself, have uses... In uh, inedible products, which raises the concern for a lot of people, namely things like polyurethanes, uh, which, for the most part, uh, are popular components in gum base, belong to a common group of plastics that are used in products like plastic bags and hula hoops. Oh, okay. Uh, Polyvinyl acetates is a sticky polymer found in white glue which they also use that in gums nowadays. Bital rubber is typically used in caulking, you know, like caulk to, for your windows and stuff. Right. Butyl. Is it butyl? Yeah, it's B-U-T-Y-L. Butyl. Right. Okay. Uh, and the linings, it's also used in the linings of car tires. Right. In addition, its role in the gum base, paraffin wax is a byproduct of refined petroleums. So, yeah, it's stuff I don't want to put in my mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm telling you, Joe. I, you know, those little, we were talking about that at the beginning of the episode, those little soda bottles or whatever that I used to, you know, mm-hmm. I would just chew them up and swallow them. It, you know, those wax lips. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I would chew them up and swallow them when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was an 80s kid. Yeah, I mean, and I probably did it too. And more than likely, because it's a, you know, a rubber or a wax, it's going to stay in that solidified ball, and you're just going to pass it through anyway. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So, you know. Unless you have a hole inside of you, in which case you'll <laughs> fart it inside of yourself. Right. Exactly. All right. I, 
This is, you really you really had me going with that, that Joe. Freaked, did I freak you out with that? You freaked me out a little bit. Well, don't realize. have don't have intestinal surgery and chew gum. Ever. I will never have intestinal <laughs> surgery. That's my takeaway. So, so there's also, you know, possible carcinogen uh, issues with some of the gums nowadays. Okay. Uh, yeah. be- because they use things like vinyl acetate and, and uh, acetate acids. They can be found to be carcinogenic. Artificial gum, artificial sweetener, too. Some people, you know, are very, very worried about that being carcinogenic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Canadian government at one point classified the ingredients as potentially high-hazard substances. And right. that, that was, you know, in, like, 2010. So, I mean, it, it's... I don't want to, like, sway people from chewing gum. I'm just saying that, you know, at least do the research. At least right. at least pick a gum that is not... Maybe you should be going out to um, spruce forests and picking your own gum. Yeah, there you go. That would be cool. You know, Joe, you know, there's guys that still do that to this day. They, they actually... I, uh, look it up on YouTube. It's kind of cool. I watched a guy who is this Alaskan, just like frontiersman that lives out there right on and uh he did some great episodes where he went out into the woods and he picked that spruce gum right off the damn tree mm-hmm. you know and boiled it down and did all this other stuff poured it out made gum for himself and he just walks around in the woods with his dog chewing it nom, 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 nom. yeah so That's awesome it is really kind of cool you know uh, but you you were talking you said had mentioned butyl rubber earlier right yeah. joe so talking about the future of gum butyl rubber it's unique trait. It's a material that can hold air for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Consequently, it's in, used in products like bicycle tires and basketballs. Right? right. But also because of that, even after being chewed many times, that gum is still very useful. Recently, in the United Kingdom, because they have a problem with uh, chewing gum, it's only second to street litter, uh, second to cigarettes in street litter. Mm-hmm. Yep. So $200 million U.S. is spent to clean up this disregarded bubblegum gunk. Mm. So there's a British designer named Anna Bullis that has an idea to turn that gum into something useful, a synthetic, that synthetic butyl uh, ru- rubber. Like a recycling project. What she's done is she's made these, these little, they look like a pink ball of bubble gum and she is basically they're they're always put about head height about mm-hmm. eye 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 height and she's you know basically wrapped them around you know all kinds of light posts and stuff okay. and it has on the side of it you know please spit your gum into this and recycle it right so so they actually take the gum and they take all the different polymers out, out of it about 20 percent of the chewing gum is used in the recycling product nice okay uh, so about 42 pieces of gum were used in the process to make the plastic that goes into a, reu- a reusable coffee cup. Hmm. Yeah, there's all these bins that they've put over. 8,000 students and faculty at the University of Winchester observe the gumdrops effectiveness. They put these things, they're, they're called gumdrops. Okay. So there are 11 bins were hung around campus, and um, they gave away the coffee cups as an incentive for people to use it. They were installed for a year and a half, and the university saw a decrease in litter. And an airport also ran the trial for uh, for three months. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it was an eight thousand dollar decrease in their cleaning costs. Oh yeah, 
over three months, which is insane to me. Like, that's a lot of cleaning. It always pisses me off when you go to the urinal and some guy has spit his gum out into the urinal. Why can't yeah. you spit it into the damn trash can? Yep, it's gross. Gross. So, yeah, we might be uh, we might be on the way to starting to recycle bubble gum. Well, that would be good. Absolutely. Especially if it's, you know, carcinogenic rubber that you're putting in your mouth. So, Joe, I've got, a, I've got another bubble gum from the future. Okay. So, here's what's really cool. Uh, do you have any of those sensors, like any kind of sensors that's hooked up to your phone that you wear? Uh, I don't know what you mean. Do you like, um, you know, have like a Fitbit or anything like that? Do you check the steps no, every no. day? God, no. You have like a, you don't do any of that? No, no. Uh-huh. Well, Joe, let me tell you what, neither do I. Good. But we're, we're a certain kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, there's, we're, <laughs> we're like, I don't, I don't know. We're like halfway between hipster and old curmudgeon. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's called a Gen X. That's, is that what it is? That's, that's what that is. <laughs> that's right where we are? Yep. Right where we are. <laughs> yeah, smashed right in between there. Yep. Well, there's a lot of people that use these Fitbits and things like that. Uh-huh. Okay? The, uh, the, what are they? The watches and everything? The yeah, the s- mm-hmm. smart watches and all that? Yeah. Well, so these different sensors are a way for you to track your movement and exercise and stuff like that. Well, they're actually developing a way that they could have a sensor that's a little bit more stretchy. So it doesn't have to be strapped onto you. Okay. It literally be pulled and stretched and, and it can bend around you. So if they want to see the flex in your knee or something like that, they could do it. Well, what they did was they actually found that they take these nanotubes mm-hmm. and they put them in bubble gum. Then they can put this over, say, a part of your body that they want to put the sensor on. Right. So they're able to monitor full range of body body's movement and bending. Mm-hmm. So if they need something that requires a lot more give, they actually have it. Nice. They're actually using bubble gum for this. Huh. So, you know, another use for uh, bubble gum for the future. That's kind of cool. That yeah. is pretty cool. Chris, did you know that there are pretty much only five major chewing gum companies? Or not chewing gum companies, but companies that own all of the chewing gum yeah that's kind of like everything food wise now right yeah i mean pretty much all the ones that we know here in the states are pretty much owned by mars okay and that they own wrigley's they own fucking everything yeah so they all get bought out it's i mean it's, yeah. it's like all industry now they're all bought out by the by the people who own more yeah you know it's like you know it's like disney <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. like disney so, no, but I found a global chewing gum market analysis for the period of 2016 to 2024, and apparently it is a fast-growing market. The market is forecasted to reach a United States average of $22 billion by 2024 at a growth rate at 4.3%. So that's, that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit yeah. of chewing gum. Twenty-two bajillion dollars. <laughs> bajillion. I'm not sure if that's actual. No, no, it's just billion. Just billion. I know sugared chewing gum sales are in decline. Uh, you know, that's just sort of a across the board thing. Everyone's kind of like trying to cut out sugars on all stuff. Right. There's also a growing demand for functional chewing gums. And we kind of briefly touched on that, and that's stuff like 
like nicotine gums. Okay, so nicotine replacement. Yeah, yeah, teeth whitening gums, those kinds of things, like th- gums with a function, not just I'm pink and you can blow a bubble with me. Yeah, some gums that you need some gums that pull the hazelnut and duck out of your teeth. <laughs> yes, a utility gum. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something <laughs> black as pitch that would just pull the cavities right out. Right, exactly. Hey everybody, I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. Of the We Have to Ask podcast. And you're listening to the Curioso podcast. With Chris and Joe. I listen to them so I don't have to do the research. Mm -hmm. So Chris, I did find a weird list. Now, I mean, you talked about your, your favorite gum. Right. But I found a weird list of the 13 weirdest gum flavors. So okay. I'm just going to go through some of these and just stop me if you find one that you're like, ooh, yes, I would try that, or gross, or whatever, okay? Okay, let's go. Uh, so you want this number one first, or number 13 first? Oh, I, it, wait, wait, wait. Do they go from best to worst? No, or? no, just, just random numbered. I just didn't know if you wanted me to go to one to 13, or 13 to one. Let's, uh, let's, count, let's count down from 13. Okay. All right, so in the U.S., there is a pickle gumball. Go roast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it would be, um, like, what, what is that company? Archie McPhee? It's, they, yeah, like, it's, it is exactly a McPhee product. I knew it. And this pack comes with 22 different dill-flavored gumballs. Hold on, different dills? I don't like, know. It just one's says, a little bit more garlic, one's a little bit more, like... I mean, there are a buttload of different kinds of pickles, so I can right. I can imagine, you know, there's different kinds of dill pickle gumballs. Oh my god, Joe! Can I just throw this out there real quick? Sure. Okay, just had some horseradish bread and butter pickles. Uh huh. That sounds Holy amazing. Holy hell, they were so good. Yeah, some of the <laughs> best ones I've ever had. That sounds awesome. Yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. I got them at Aldi for of all places, hmm. and they were. So delicious. Just wanted to let you know for next time. All right. Go ahead. Move on with the gum. Okay. Number 12, of course, is the black, black gum of Japan. And it's basically a caffeinated gum, but it, the, it's like super, like they use a lot of black food coloring. So is it like, like black coffee? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like black coffee. Uh, they do have one that, that has like some mint in it, but it's called black, black gum. Right. I'm not a fan of anything that uses too much food coloring. Yeah, me either. Me either. And you wind up pooping it out and it's green. 11, you've got pepper fruit gum from Japan. Number 10, you've got matitis, matitis. I got the matitis. (laughs) (laughs) It's a banana gum. Okay. And that's from Mexico. I could see banana gum being good. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, there's something called airwaves, menthol, and eucalyptus. No, not a fan of chewing on men- mentholiptus. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a Wrigley's product in the UK. Yeah, that's too, that's too much. Eucalyptus is not. Leave that for the koala. Okay. <laughs> An- another fun McPhee product is a foie gras bubblegum. Foie gras? Not foie gras. Foie gras. Yeah, like uh, like duck liver or whatever? Goose liver. No, gross. <laughs> okay, so what about a Thanksgiving gumball? Mm, 
like cranberry and turkey? It is a turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce flavored gumball. Hang on. Does it make you turn into a giant? Is it blueberries? Blueberry pie for dessert? Does uh, it make you turn into a giant blueberry? Uh, maybe. Pull the, you out I mean, you? I mean, the packet includes turkey, cranberry, and pumpkin pie. Oh, each one. Yes. Oh, it's kind of like Jones. So I had Dana had a Jones soda that was like that. Mm-hmm. Each each one, it was like turkey flavored Jones soda, and then cranberry Jones soda, and all these other ones. Yeah, it's like a, a whole Thanksgiving like meal. Yeah, and I, she would not let me try it. I was like, let's really? just pop it open. And she kept it forever. I, we might even still have it in the shed somewhere. I don't know. Wow, I would pop that thing open, man. I know, and the, not even at this time. It's probably gross by now. Probably. Yeah. Number six, we've got the Wrigley's Company. Started this campaign about dessert gums. Do you remember okay. that? I do not remember that, but it doesn't sound like a bad idea, especially for somebody who's trying to lose weight. Right, right. So this is their mint chocolate chip ice cream gum. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Then coming in at number five, we've got the meatball gum. Mm, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I know you will pass on that one. Uh, okay, now we get into the real weird stuff. Okay, so number four is the man smell chewing gum. What? Yeah. Yeah, when you just want the smell of a man... In your mouth. In your mouth and on your <laughs> breath, you would chew this gum. Look, uh, if I wanted the smell of a man in my mouth, <laughs> I could make that happen, okay? I don't need any gum. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Japanese gum, and it's supposed to target older men who are looking for the aroma, you know, to reboot their uh, their manliness. They use rose essence in the gum that's supposedly uh, supposed to seep into one's pores and to you know you know to to make a an olfactory pleasure all around sense thing. Right. Okay. So it's a, it's supposed to be a, a a gum that you chew and it's supposed to be an aphrodisiac for women. I I think so. That's I think the that's idea. What okay. Going all right. For. All right. All right. I think I'll so. Bite. Okay. So number three, of course, is the TV dinner gumball, which is very similar to the turkey dinner. No, see, I, I'm telling, I've seen this on Willy Wonka. I'm not going to try that. It's a I, it's a McPhee product. Right. Same thing. They're going to roll you out. You're going to turn into a giant blueberry at the end. Right. And in in that fashion, we've got number two and number one, which are the wasabi gumball, which of course is just the terrible. American version of wasabi, horseradish, right. basically, with food coloring. And then number one is the bacon gumball. I knew bacon was coming. Yeah, come so, on. Yeah. Did, didn't we, weren't we somewhere where we had, we got, like, bacon-flavored gum? Pro, pro, I think so, yeah. I had, No, it was toothpaste. Was it toothpaste? Okay, no, it I was bacon. Didn't, it was me, you, and Dana. We went into some little rink-a-dink place, and they had a whole wall of soda. Oh yeah, well you're talking about Rocket Fizz. Yes, and didn't yes. they have they had a bacon soda, but they also had a bacon yep. chewing gum. Yes, they do. Yeah, and okay. I believe Archie McPhee makes that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they make you know they make yeah the like bacon band aids and stuff like that. It's all just kind of silly stuff. Yeah, but they're also the people jokey that stuff. make those those horse masks and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so 
very, very cool novelty company. And so is Rocket Fizz. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Rocket Fizz with their different sodas and everything like that. Yeah, All their you got a hat and everything. I know. I bought a hat. Like, I love that place. <laughs> like, if I seriously, when I retire, I want to just own a Rocket Fizz, and that's what I want to do for a living. Well, send him an email. And let him know we uh, we plugged him on the show. So maybe we'll get some <laughs> <laughs> get some shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's that's pretty much my my knowledge, my research on a gum. That's awesome, man. Well, I you know I gotta say I haven't been chewing a lot of gum here recently. I've been doing more toothpicks than anything else. But maybe I'll start switching to gum. Are you doing the the weird fucking Novocaine toothpicks still? I. I am. Did, did I, well, not all the time. Every once in a while, like if I'm having a few drinks or something, uh-huh. I have an urge for a little nicotine, and I'll try one of these. Yeah. Do you want to you know, ex- but, explain it again? What what those are? Okay, so they're they've got spilanthes in it, and spilanthes are these little. Um, they're these little like herbs that you can. And I actually I'm growing some in the garden right now. Yeah, it's it's a plant, right? It's a plant. And you can pop the little bud off of it, and you chew, you chew it, and it tastes like you're licking a nine volt. It's like the weirdest thing. And um, I just found out here recently, Joe, that in in, uh, in Disney at the cantina, okay, they have this thing called a fuzzy tauntaun. It's a drink. Yeah, you were the, yeah you were telling me like the bartender made this this whole like cocktail. Yeah, he made a he made a lookalike cocktail. Yes, you know. Because he went there and he tried it, and it's called a fuzzy tauntaun, and it makes your lips do that thing. And how they get that, get it, is they, they, they grind up buzz buttons, and they mix them with water. Now, buzz buttons are the bud of Spilant, the, of the, the Spilant. plant. Yeah. Okay. It's just a nickname. They call them buzz buttons, electric daisies, mm-hmm. or, or spilanthes. They're okay. all the same thing. It's just like the different nicknames for it. Okay. Just how different plants are, you know? Mm-hmm. But would, would you chew a gum... That had like Spilanthes gum. I would, is, yeah. Is that too much? No, I think the problem is is that it makes your mouth numb, so you would accidentally chew in your tongue by accident. Yeah, you know? see, I would. I'm, I'm afraid, like, I would just start chewing on my lip and like, you know, biting my I, my tongue off. Yeah, I accidentally bite my tongue all the time anyway. So mm-hmm. you know, like in my sleep and stuff, <laughs> I just literally. Bite. It's the worst thing, Joe. I bite my tongue. I I tried wearing a mouth guard. Uh-huh. To keep my tongue away from my teeth, like a boxing just, mouth guard. Yeah, yeah, like really? uh, the kind. Yeah, I heated it up in hot water and pressed it in and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lost it. I can't find it. I either swallow it or it's under the bed. I don't know. Just do. Just get a damn bit, like a, an, like an actual boxer's bit. That's it's a what big they, old fucking chunky boxer's bit. You can't spit yeah, it out. That's what I had. You that's, had that. I'm telling you. Yeah, I either swallow it or it's under the bed. I can't find it. I spit it <laughs> swallow out. Swallow it. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Uh, maybe you just chewed it up like bubble gum. I could have. <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, I, I got to get going. I got to go take a leap. All right, man. Thank you so much for the uh, bubble gum talk. Yep, yep, you too. This has been my bubble gum TED talk. <laughs> right. Uh, stay safe in this uh, crazy time we're living in, man. Yeah, listen, listen, curiosos out there. I I, uh, I know we haven't been popping out a whole lot of episodes here recently, but I want to say, you know, we care about you and we want you to stay safe and we don't want you to get the Rona, okay? <laughs> so if you got to wear masks, you got to wear gloves. I went to the grocery store. I wore masks and a uh, mask and gloves, and I got a lot of dirty looks. Okay, did you? I did. And you know what? Shit. 
pardon my language, Joe, but fuck them. Yeah. I really don't care. I don't want to get this shit. Yeah. And nobody else does. And I hope that, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're still working, be careful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and clean your surfaces, clean your workstation. Do not give it to anybody. The minute you start to have a, 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 a gross throat, you know, you know, go into quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, quarantine yourself. Luckily, me or my family hasn't had it. I don't think you or your family has any problems. Nope, nope. We've been practicing social distancing for a very long time. Right. <laughs> Way before this, so we're good. Take it easy out there and stay well, curiosos. Yeah. We care about you, okay? We'll hopefully hear from everyone on the uh, the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. All right, I will talk to you later, man. Be safe. All right, see you, Joe. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecurioso podcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curioso podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curioso podcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. That is, uh, that is made by heating the tree uh, of the bark. The, um, All right. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Go ahead. I'm going to do it for like 10 seconds and start talking to you. Okay. And you let me know. Okay. Well, Here just, we go. Just One, leave it in. All right. Go ahead. All right. So it's plugged in. Uh-huh. I cannot hear you at all. You can't hear me at all. Chris. I can't hear. I, I don't know if you can hear me. I can't hear you, but I'm gonna just gonna do this for a little while. And blah 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 blah. Like that. You can't hear uh, me. Bo, 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 bo. Can you hear me? Okay, I just don't, no, I didn't hear shit. You can't hear me. No. <laughs> but you can hear me. What? So you can hear me? Oh no no! I just unplugged it. Oh, damn it! Juicy fruit and the reglament wriggle. And they suspect it was a younger female with dark skin and dark eyes. Uh, I'm sorry, with dark. Hang on, let me just say that one more time. Okay. Boop, boop. <laughs> boop. Okay.